0: Good morning and welcome to Grace Community Church. If this is your first time here, you are here on a very special day. If you've been coming for a bit, you know that today we ordain Sean Cross to the gospel ministry. Now, he has been participating in ministry for a long time, but today is an important step in his future as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As has already been acknowledged, this has nothing to do with the Masonic Lodge... Supreme Court, any other organization, this is ordination to the gospel ministry. How do you determine, how does one go about determining whether he's been called to preach as we are going to say today and as Paul charges Timothy to preach the gospel? How do you know if you've been called to preach? I mean, are are you suddenly awakened in the middle of the night or awoken or awake Gosh, there are all kinds of options. And, and But when you're talking about something that's serious. So the, all of a sudden there's a blinding light and an angel says, Thus says the Lord, you are to preach. Maybe not anything that dramatic, but suppose you are reading Scripture. You're listening to the word preached. And you get this very visceral response to the word, something deep within you. Stirs and you just sense that God wants you to preach that 's more likely the way that God is going to move than the the first way there is a there's a a, a biblical way for determining how to how God calls a lot of us to preach um, when I was in seminary, we were talking about this one day, and we were the pastor was or the teacher was saying. How do you know you've been called to preach? Let's talk about some scripture. In Isaiah 6, you know, I was in the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And there were angels and they were saying, holy, holy is the Lord. And, and, you know, my lips were burned with a coal, of fire. And God said, who will go for me? I said, here am I, send me. And then also Acts 9, Paul's on the road to Damascus. But do we really think that's how God cause his servants to preach today. I mean, I, I, I ventured a, a, a verse that day and I said, you know, if I had applied for seminary and I had said some of these things, you would have said move on. Now, just now occurs to me, I may have said this in the last two or three weeks, but maybe it was at our our home group, I don't know. It's that age, you know, and it's, it's okay, I'm all right with it. <laughs> And so, but the the seminary would have said, Oh, so you were in the church in this brilliant light field and your lips were burned. Really? Uh, There is another seminary we might recommend. Um, 1 Timothy 3 1 says this The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, I don't have time to go into detail about why I'm going to say what I'm about to say. But there are three terms in the New Testament for church leaders. Overseer, or in some of your translations it will say bishop. Um, Elder and pastor-teacher. Actually, the best translation of the word poimen is shepherd. And it's almost always connected with teacher. Shepherd-teacher. So... If anyone desires to be an elder, he desires a good thing. Now, you might say, oh, you know, I feel like God has called me to be an elder, but I could never say that. I'm too, it would sound like I'm proud. Well, according to this verse, God puts this desire on your heart to be an elder, Um The role of teaching elder is separated even more than an elder or a leader, or overseer of the church. And isn't it interesting, have you ever thought about why God would devote three books of the New Testament written to two men, First and Second Timothy and Titus, two men who were teaching elders of the church? Why would he spend that much time on it? You're going to think about that more extensively this week in home group. But let me ask this question for now. Can we conclude on the basis of 1 Timothy three one that if someone desires to be an elder, and specifically a teaching elder, that God has called him to preach? Not quite yet. It may be in your heart to preach, but if everybody else in the congregation says, "Mm, I'm not so sure about that, then... Chances are God has not called you to preach. It will be evident to all. And the body in which you serve and the elders of the church will come and lay hands on you. And affirm the will of the congregation to ordain you to gospel ministry. First Timothy four, fourteen 14-16. Do not neglect the gift you have. Paul speaking to his protege Timothy. Which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. By the way, this morning at the end of this message, all of our elders are going to come and gather around Sean. And that means active and inactive elders. So if you have ever served as an elder, as an active elder of Grace Community, we invite you to share with us in laying on of hands Uh, on Sean and ordaining him to ministry. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This morning, we are here, elders and congregation, to affirm The desire you have, Sean Cross, to preach the gospel as a teaching elder in a church, and specifically in a church in in Washington, D.C., but wherever the Lord leads you, we affirm that this is indeed the will of God. Sean, you are like a son to me, much like when David was ordained this past year. You are like a son to me so it gives me great joy to read the words of Timothy of second Timothy where Paul spoke to his son in the ministry he called him that Timothy and to also to contemplate these words not only was Timothy's ministry beginning in this section of scripture but Paul's was ending. And now I hope that is not the case, that I'm not going to have my head (laughs) cut, removed from the rest of my body within a matter of weeks. But you know, I am close enough that I can see the end. And even though you have been ministering well, we are ordaining you to special service for the Lord. We don't tend to think of Timothy as one of the Leaders of the early church. But we should. Paul certainly did. In fact. When Paul was passing on the mantle. The baton. When he was saying okay. I'm going to be heading off the scene. Who am I going to give these special instructions to? It was. Timothy. Um, Paul had no doubt appointed Timothy to. The ministry at Ephesus. Where he was pastor. Second Timothy. Contains the last words of the Apostle Paul uh, that we have any record of. We know that he was just before execution. And so these are the last words of the very last words of the Apostle Paul. And they were important words. This morning I'm going to read from all the chapter of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, these are tender and urgent words, important words. They apply to all of us, but especially, Sean, to you on this day that you ordained the gospel ministry and sent out by Grace Community Church to preach the word. So, Grace Community Church family, uh, honored guest, and we are blessed to have you with us on this particular day. Would you please stand as we read God's word together? I'm just going to read uh, the first five verses for this particular reading. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Thankfully, that doesn't occur in our day. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Let's pray. Father, on this day in which we obey the command of your word to, as a body of believers, acknowledge and affirm the call that you have placed on one's life, and this one in particular being Sean Cross. Our hearts are full. We're grateful that Sean, Melissa, and Hazel, and Anderson, and Milo have been a part of our family for a long time. And while our hearts break at one level as they leave us, they also rise with excitement and anticipation of what you're going to do. And we know, Father, that there will be more traffic between here and D.C. than there has been in the past. And So this morning, may we not only rejoice with Sean and Melissa, but may our hearts be led into truth from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom preach the word. Paul begins with the most serious tone that he can muster. In addition to this being a legal oath, he is charging Timothy before the God the Creator God of the universe, and the Redeemer. He's not uttering a Roman oath, legal oath. He is charging Timothy before God and Jesus. And he charges him in light of the coming judgment at the end of days when Jesus returns. And this morning, we could very easily come with an attitude of, Look, we all knew, Sean, of course we're going to... No, don't come like that. I mean, if you think that charging someone before God, before Jesus in light of his return, then yes, let's take it lightly. But if not, let's embrace the seriousness, the gravity of this moment in which Sean is charged to preach the gospel. This is a big deal. I charge you, preach the word. What did he mean, preach the word? Timothy had no doubt about what he meant. Remember, we've got the chapter divisions, and we started in chapter 4, verse 1, but Paul had just concluded saying that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for doctrine, rebuke, teaching, instruction. All the things that make up life in Christ are to be found in the word. Preach that word, Sean, and preaching implies more than teaching, although there is no such thing as good preaching without good teaching. You're called, Sean, just as Timothy was, to preach in season and out of season when it is convenient, when it is not convenient, when people are eager to hear the gospel and people don't want anything to do with hearing the gospel. Although this verse is really more about being prepared for opportunities when they come than it is about shoving the gospel down someone's throat. It's more about the preacher not being lazy than it is about just going out and telling anyone all the time about the Lord. And you know, Sean and Melissa, ministry done properly is no 40-hour-a-week proposition. It's just night. He could have said, preach the gospel during the day, in the middle of the night, whenever you're called to do so. Your commitment to teaching the truth of God's word is the most important aspect of the task that God has given you, Sean. To preach the gospel well requires good study, as important as the care and the counsel of the people of God is nothing is more central to your calling as a minister of the gospel than to preach the word. Take the time you need to prepare and as you repair, prepare, remember that it is necessary that you preach God's word. Not necessarily what people want to hear. I'm amazed when we go through books of the Bible, how every topic is broached. And in fact, there are a lot of topics that I would just assume not preach, but going through the word forces me to do that. Verse 3 says the time is coming when they will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The hunger for the novel is not going to go away. People always are looking for something new. You cannot imagine the number of books and articles and, and CDs that you will be given. Hey, pastor, you need to hear this. And sometimes, a lot of times, not so much here, believe me, seldom is it here. A lot of times it's the latest craze. You know, what's going on? Uh, the Bible code, Hebrew code, whatever, you know, whatever. Left behind. It's the latest thing. You've got to read this, Pastor. And it detracts from your charge to preach the gospel. If you spend your time in those things. Now, believe me, folks, I am not saying do not give me books or articles. But I I have to tell you, I've got three books stacked this high, I promise. And I have no choice but to put that book that you give me unless I compelled to read this thing somewhere in that stack. I'm overwhelmed with what I need to do already. And what I need to do is to stay here. That's what you need to do, Sean. And it might not be, look, it's, it might not be something that you would consider out there. It may be simply the latest flavor of life within your particular tribe of the gospel. That well-meaning brothers and ministers in Christ give to you and say, you've got to see this. You've got to understand where things... And you do need to understand the times. But you need to understand the word and spend your time in the word. I cannot imagine you deviating from the truth. But you must resist the temptation... to spend your time on things that take you away from the preparation of the message from the Word of God to the people of God that you are called to deliver every week. And when you resist, you may be called to suffer. As for you, verse 5, always be sober-minded. Enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Keep your head about you. And recognize that there, won't, there will be those who won't be as committed to sober-minded preaching as you are. And you may suffer as you fulfill your ministry. It broke my heart four or five years ago. When in preparation for study of Romans 14, where Paul said to the Roman church, let's, let's major on the majors and minor, on and, and don't get caught up in being the, the spiritual police for everybody else. Let, but everyone be persuaded in his own mind about the things that are preferences, not the things that are necessities in, in, in the life of a believer. And in studying for that, I read that church historians feel that there is adequate evidence for it to be published history that it could have been some of those members of the Roman church who turned Paul in, Peter as well, both of whom were executed by the Roman government. It was an execution that was maybe... Weeks away, possibly even days away. When Paul wrote his letter, letter, but he was ready. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also... To all who have loved loved his appearing. Wouldn't it be great to say such a thing? Wouldn't it be great for all of us? Not just Sean. Wouldn't it be great to come to the end of your life and say I've fought the good fight? Once again there's no arrogance in Paul's heart. He's just, he's essentially saying we know Paul. He's saying by the grace of God. He has enabled me to fulfill the calling that he's given me. Many, many people begin well. Not many finish well. To finish well doesn't mean that you're perfect throughout your entire ministry. It means that you stay true to the gospel, that you preach the truth. First to yourself and then to the flock to which God calls you to lead. And it means that you served honorably in Jesus' strength you will be rewarded for conducting your ministry in the light of Jesus' second coming. I must do this because Jesus is coming to judge. And not only, though, will just ministers be, elders be receiving rewards, all who love his appearing, all who live their lives in the light of Jesus' return will receive a reward. And it's your job to help people prepare for that day by sharing the truth. Verse 8 completes the sobering thought that was begun in verse 1. But now, instead of be terrified in light of Jesus' return, we're talking about the joy that is associated with Jesus' return return and those who love who anticipate with great joy his appearance so is Jesus return a fearful thing or a joyful thing and the answer is yes it's it's all of the above in verse 9 paul says to timothy do your best to come to me soon <laughs> now timothy probably swallowed hard about this point <clears throat> Um okay now Paul is asking me to visit him. He's a condemned prisoner. There is ample evidence to indicate that Timothy was a rather timid individual, a rather fearful person. Paul didn't say, look, Timothy, I know it's hard. He said, stir up the gift that is within you. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Good judgment. He calls us to good judgment. So when Paul says, come to me, Timothy. You know that Paul desperately. Wants to see Timothy. So. Not only here, but later Paul is going to make a request for Timothy to come to him just before the close of the letter. You get the sense that Timothy was lonely. Verse 10, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. <clears throat> and going to Thessalonica, you, Thessalonica, Sean, if you serve long enough, you will serve with demons you will serve with Judas it's inevitable Cretans has gone to Galatia Titus to Dalmatia Luke alone is with me get Mark Mark that Paul said earlier he's not worthy to go on this mission trip with us he's changed his mind he grew take Mark get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak. It was winter and it was cold in that cell. Been to Rome. Seen it all. Seen the Colosseum. You know, the fountain. And seen the catacombs. The most inspirational, overwhelming thing to me was the Marmatime prison. Where Paul... They've got steps down to it, but they used to lower prisoners awaiting execution down to this little cell, dark, damp, cold, miserable cell. And Paul said, Bring the coat and bring also the books and above all the parchments. Perhaps perhaps the scriptures maybe even Scholars speculate these were sayings of Jesus that people had collected. No doubt, by this point, Peter had or, or Paul had likely heard about Mark's gospel that was just now in circulation, and he was saying, "Look, we need to compare notes. Who was with? Who was with Paul? He's getting ready to say, um, Luke." Or he had just said, Luke alone is with me. And he was no doubt aware that Luke was writing the gospel. And Paul probably just wanted to collaborate on that. I want to be a part of this. This is exciting to me. Even facing execution, Paul was thinking about teaching. <clears throat> then he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. That's really... A comment of mercy as well as judgment. Beware of him yourself for he strongly opposed our message. A call to preach is in many respects a call to loneliness. Paul seems to have taken Demas' defection from the gospel personally. Pretty clear that he did. Should he have taken this personally? No. But he did. And you will too. Paul missed his other companions sorely. Even the ones. That he had sent on mission. As a minister of the gospel. You are called to cling dearly to the family that God has Given to you and also to your fellow ministers and to hold. But you are also called to hold all ministry church relationships secondary to your relationship with Jesus. Some either within or without will oppose your message which means they will oppose you. And it will get very personal and very ugly. We're not sure if Alexander was in the church or not. What we are sure of is that he did Paul great harm. One thing you can be sure of, Jesus will never leave your side. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me, And strengthen me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so that I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Very likely what Paul is saying is at his defense he could have been executed on the spot. But the Lord gave him this little bit more time. And he delivered Paul from the lion's mouth, from the very mouth. But Paul wasn't expecting to be delivered. He was expecting to be executed. Look at verse 18 is it's pretty phenomenal the lord will rescue me from every evil deed not from execution even and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen all alone Paul stood before the emperor, all alone. And yet he wasn't alone. The creator of the emperor stood with him. And like Jesus before him, Paul prayed that God would forgive those who forsook him in his hour of need. Those who had campaigned against him. Those who had persecuted him. The ability to forgive quickly and easily seems to be part of the nature with which God has blessed you, Sean. I'm so grateful for that. And it will serve you and your family in good stead. If you stay in this place. Of forgiving. Quickly. I can assure you. It will be a challenge for you even if it seems so easy at the moment. But you must extend the mercy and grace that God has extended to you through Jesus. Extend that to others. (laughs) If working with sinners like you and, and me is one of the great challenges of ministry, working... With the people that God has redeemed through the blood of the Lamb in a family setting, all of this talk about loneliness i cannot i look i've had those times in my life and and i don't care. If all you gathered around me and prayed as a minister, Jim knows it, Ted knows it, others of you who have served as pastors particularly, you know it's a lonely place sometimes. I cannot tell you how connected I feel to you as family. It scares me things are so good right now at Grace Community Church. I I just know some of you are plotting something. I'm not sure what it is, but I know. Actually, I'm worried about myself. You know, I, I know what a sinner I am. We're, all, but by the grace of God, what a blessing it is to be with family. Look at how Paul closes this letter. Greet Prisca, Priscilla. I'm sure and Aquila, and the household of Onesiphorus. I just like to call him the Big O, Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth. By the way, Jim Maycock's seen it. Some of you have been on Holy Land trips. There's a little, there's a stone remaining with Erastus, who was a city official. His name, almost certainly, this Erastus at Corinth in Greece. Erastus remained at Corinth. And I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Now, this is one of those moments where the record should go, R-r-r-r. Paul left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Why didn't he heal him? Do your best to come before winter. By the way, Paul was used by God to heal a lot of people, just not Trophimus. It's not always God's will. Sometimes it is, and we rejoice. Sometimes it's not, and guess what? We Rejoice as well. Hard in this flesh. Hard in this flesh. But. This written by a man. Who was just about there. And in a tougher way. Than most of us go. Eubulus. Sends greetings to you. As do Pudens. And Linus. And Claudia. They'll all be behind you Sean. As you go. Eubulus. Pudens, and Linus. This would be, these would be good names for the next six, for the Moody's. Don't you think these uh, I mean, I'd say right here, right here. Here it is. And all the brothers greet all the brothers just after. And by the way, is this not, do you not see Paul In a depressed state and in a very joyful state all at the same time. And he's not bipolar. He's not. Because if he were, he'd be one or the other. But it's this strange, already not yet existence that we live as followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the great, great joys of ministry is the people of God. To whom you are called to minister. And so, Sean and Melissa and Jackie, as you're heading up the road as well, more, and Hazel and Anderson and Milo, we say to you, as Paul said to Timothy, may the Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you, Grace City Church, grace Be with you. So I'm going to ask Sean. If you would come forward. And all the elders. Active and inactive. If you would please come. And we are going to lay hands on Sean. If you would kneel. Here. We are going to lay hands. And three of these men. Are going to pray. And then we have. A few presentations.